Welcome to the Emergency to Emergence minicast, produced by Sterling College. I'm Nakasi Fortune. And I'm Dakota Lacroix. Join us as we spend a few more minutes with our guests, lifting up the people, expressions, and material that inspire or nourish them. In these brief interludes, we'll connect with our listeners, our guests, and the thinkers, authors, artists, and activists who are not only engaging in ecological thinking and action, but also fostering community-engaged responses that offer hope. And joining us today again is Rick Thomas. Rick, we had such a wonderful conversation with you the last time we spoke. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah, and we wanted to follow up uh, about some of your inspirations within the world of draft animal power systems. And so my question to you is, who are some of the thought leaders within your field, and within your world that have inspired you and that continue to inspire you along this journey? Well, I think anyone who is getting into this craft would be well served to start with Lynn Miller's vast body of work. Lynn, I think, has been the guiding light for this resurgence of draft animal-powered systems across the country, certainly. From the mid-70s forward to today, he has stayed on message that the practicality of uh, horse farming and, and all the associated compartments of that, horse farming, horse logging, is very viable. And so any of his of his books are just a great starting point. Yeah. Certainly the um the Draft Horse Handbook was his I think uh was the first book that that I was handed uh when I arrived at Sterling. So and, 1970s Rick, is that pre Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, early Is 70s. that before the internet? Uh, it was yeah, <laughs> bar- barely flush toilets, um, and and yeah, uh, it just guides you through everything. Really, yeah. it's just a great starting point. It it's a little bit Western based, Western mm. United States based, because that's obviously where Lynn is from in Oregon. And so, you know, some of the the harness design and some of the this, the the farming systems are very Western based, but completely applicable uh, and, and transferable to just about anywhere. Oh, great! The other thing that Lynn has just—I mean, I can't imagine ever not having a small farmer's journal uh, on our bookshelf here at our house. We we would. They come out four times a year, and we would always collect them until wintertime and then sit down and read them over the wood stove. Okay, that's not exactly true. We would thumb through them and look at all the cool pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but to really sit down and dive into uh, the content, we would wait till wintertime, and, and that was our wood stove time. So the Small Farmer's Journal is just a guiding light, and, and you can find, I think, just about anything you need any questions can be answered uh, by thumbing through the the small farmers journals. They're now indexed by topic, and so you can go either online to Lynn's website at Small Farmers Journal and look at the index and then search. Uh, it's becoming very user friendly in that way. Great. Beyond the Small yeah. Farmers Journal and and Lynn's books, uh, Rural Heritage has also been a, a great 
magazine that has, uh, I, I think their their motto is something along the lines of, you know, borrowing from yesterday for the work of today. And so uh, they have, uh, Joe Mishka has really uh, traveled around the, the, the world and has put together some pretty, pretty cool content. So I'm, I'm uh, the Draft Horse Journal is the third sort of periodical that I would recommend. It's a little bit heavy on sort of breeders information, which is good to know if you're in the market for horses. Mm. And so, uh, uh, but the Draft Horse Journal is definitely that sort of rounds out the trio of publications. And, and honestly, that's really about it. Uh, Rick, is there in, in more present day or are, are there any resources you might suggest on the World Wide Web or organizations that our listeners um, might thumb through or, or search out? Yeah, there's, there's two that really come to mind. Uh, the first is a book and the second is an organization. Uh, Stephen Leslie. Uh, down in Heartland, Vermont, has put together two really amazing books. Mm. Uh, the one that that I actually use in my as a textbook now for my courses is called "The New Horse Powered Farm," ah. and so and and Stephen has uh, does have a website and does have uh, a lot of links to uh, various really worldwide uh, pieces of information that's that's worth looking up. The, the guiding organization right now in uh, it is becoming international actually has always been international is the the draft animal powered network and interestingly enough uh, one of our alums John Smolinski uh, is now the president of what we call dapnet and uh, dapnet.org and oh, that great. is a uh, it's a subscription based system uh, there's a very active forum that is on DAPnet. Uh, there's a marketplace. There's tons of resources, jobs, sort of a jobs board. There's equipment for sale. Oh, wonderful! Uh, you can really, yeah. you can really uh, spend some time uh, on their website. So that's uh, DAPnet.org. And that's really on the on the horse side of things. Yeah, I yeah, think those are amazing you know, resources. Yeah, those have been resources for me. And specifically on the farming side of things, especially the market garden side of things, r- really uh, what has been the sort of the, the, the absolute Pulitzer Prize winner in my world has been Anne and Eric Nordell. They write a column for the Small Farmers Journal called Cultivating Questions. Oh. And they have a little 40-page book that has, in my opinion, revolutionized Draft Animal Powered Market Gardening. And that book is called Weed the Soil, Not the Crop. Ah. And it lays out a very specific framework for how to manage a market garden system with draft power, relying on very, very limited tillage, heavy use of cover cropping, and really doing what I think we should be doing, which is applying uh, sort of soil restoring farming practices through the power system of, of horses and oxen. So those are, are, yeah, are really, uh, and, and there are, you know, I can't imagine any horse powered market gardener who has not spent a lot of time with weed, the soil, not the crop. So certainly dive into that on the oxen side. You know, if you, 
certainly certainly we have YouTube now. <laughs> and if we go to to YouTube, you'll find a uh, plethora of horse <laughs> videos, information, millions and millions of hours of content for horses. When it comes to oxen, it's it's limited. Oh. It's really quite limited. And so we have one solid book uh, written by Drew Conroy, uh, which is called The Ox Teamster's Handbook. And it really is about all there is uh, for oh. you know, really helping a person who wants to get into uh, ox teamstership, uh, starting off with calf training, selecting the calf, what that those considerations are all about, and then how to make yokes, and then how to train, and then how to apply your trained animals to work environments. Uh, in terms of a website, uh, this is actually a, a, a store that is in over in Rochester, New Hampshire, actually Meterboro, uh, but uh, it's New England Ox Supply, and that's owned by Tim and Wendy Huppy. And they do have a website with their online store. Part of their website has sort of those, you know, interesting links that you can click on. And they've put together a, a, a body of information that I think is, is really worth looking into. In terms of logging or any sort of animal-powered forestry, there's a good book that needs to be written. We really don't have a, a sort of a... I see a future for you, Rick. I see it. <laughs> well, uh, we really don't have a a uh, oh, you know, sort of that handbook style text that would help somebody who's just getting started in the business uh, to to work them through. You have to sort of pick and choose from all these other pieces. Mm. So you know, there's there's some work that needs to be done right there, both on the the horse mule side of things, and then also on the uh, on the cattle side of things. And then there's this this lastly, there's this really wonderful book that Henry Stevens has put together. It's actually three volumes, and it's called The Book of the Farm, and it's written. <laughs> Oh, originally appeared somewhere in the er very early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s. And it's been brought together into these three volumes. Difficult reading, but because it's written in kind of that old style, uh, old English. Uh, but uh, it's just absolutely, uh, it's Every chance I get to sit down and I'm like, well, I've got 15 minutes, I go grab that book, you know, mm -hmm. and just open it up to a page and just kind of start reading through. And it's everything from raising hogs to how to build a corn crib to, you know, basically how to manage a farm, you know, yeah. how to, how to yeah. start and manage a farm. And of course, draft animals were at the very center of that. So I think that um, the book of the farm should be on everyone's shelf. And then, you know, there's just this whole, just this wealth of, of farming literature that's out there. And I think it's up to us to go and sort of, you know, really understand what, say, for example, Acres USA is talking about in terms of, that's a, that's a periodical that they have. Um, and, and Acres is putting together just some, you know, really amazing uh, sort of soil management guidelines. We need to be able to interpret what institutions like that and the Land Institute in Kansas 
and I think the Berry Center here in Henry County, Kentucky, are really trying to talk about and then apply those to our power system of choice, which in, to me is, is draft power. Yeah. There's a couple of things I'd, I'd like to add to all of this, and that is certainly, you know, in terms of books and in terms of internet content, you know, that, that all exists and it's at our fingertips now. We can sort of navigate that as long as we have a computer. But some of the best farmers I know don't have computers. Uh, some of the best horse people <laughs> right. I know uh, don't submit content to YouTube. So really, I, you know, never underestimate the power of seeking out local knowledge. Find somebody that, that is interested in helping you learn. And basically just throw yourself full force into it. Mm. Start mm-hmm. by hanging out in their barn. You know, start by picking up a broom and a pitchfork and helping them muck their stalls. And Mm. then uh, just really dive into getting that local knowledge because so much of this, this is a very practical craft. And it's while we can get a lot of content from from books and from digital resources, you know, it really is a a hands-on craft. You really have to get out and do it. And it's the subtlety of the craft that the practitioner will be able to, to talk you through, right? So Yeah, an oral tradition, it sounds like, to much It very us. much is. It very much is. So, so don't hesitate to, to throw yourself into finding somebody in your neighborhood or in your county or in your town that is using horses or has mm. used horses or mules or cattle in the past and just start, start working with them. So it's, it's starting to, you have to sort of get out there and glean mm-hmm. and apply. Yeah. It's just this constant yeah. process of gleaning and then applying it to your situation. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you so much for, for that piece of wisdom um, and recommendations. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much appreciated. And, and to hear you speak of it with such passion um, says quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, you can tell again. it's in your bones. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah, you're living it. Thank you. You're welcome. And before we come to a close, Sterling acknowledges that the land on which we gather, places now known as Vermont and Kentucky, are the traditional and unceded territories of several indigenous peoples, the Abenaki in the north and the Shawnee, Cherokee, Chickasaw, and Osage people to the south. We also learn in and from a range of landscapes that belong to other indigenous peoples in more than human kin. As we seek deep reciprocal relationships with nature, we respect and honor the place-based and cultural wisdom of indigenous ancestors and contemporaries. Words of acknowledgement and intention are just the first step. We must match them with acts of respect and repair. Thanks so much for listening. You can subscribe to Emergency to Emergence wherever you listen to podcasts. And a very special thanks to Sterling alum Fern Maddy for her musical creations. For more information on how Sterling is advancing ecological thinking and action, visit www.sterlingcollege.edu.
If listening has prompted something new to emerge in you, we invite you to share your thoughts as a written message or voice recording, which you can send to podcast at sterlingcollege.edu. Until next time, this is Emergency to Emergence. 